Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 149. I have a guest for you today. But before I introduce him and our topic, how are you? How are you? It is so beautiful in Vancouver right now. Not weather beautiful, tree beautiful. We are in the depths of fall and the trees are delicious. A delicious orange and red. And I am that person that takes pictures of trees, (laughs) especially at this time of year. Uh, It's so beautiful. It's just started to get cool. Uh, It's dark and gray. uh, And I'm very excited that I am leaving in four sleeps to fly home. But it is delicious at this time of year. So I have been out walking Hank, taking pictures of trees, uh, enjoying the color palette of fall that is here in the north. Uh, But I'm on the final countdown. Four more sleeps. I'm very excited. I got delicious new luggage from Monos, uh, which is a Vancouver-based luggage company. I only ever take carry-on when I travel. I hate uh, putting my luggage underneath. What is that called? That is called check-in luggage. I hate checking in luggage. So I only ever travel very light. I have this delicious little carry-on suitcase. She's olive green. She's beautiful. And she has a little partner, a little pair, a very beautiful leather, tan leather duffel, also by the same company. Uh, I love beautiful things. I I actually love fashion and this is for a whole nother podcast episode uh but I love fashion I love beautiful things and so I got this delicious luggage there's nothing inside it and I probably won't pack until Friday I always pack very light it's summer in Australia previously I would always just wear my sister's clothes uh she doesn't live at home anymore but I do have some stuff there at my parents' house. So this week is just, she's gonna be a big week. There is uh, a lot going on. We finished our Strength and Your Confidence Challenge on Friday. It was our 26 day challenge. It was epic and wild, and there were so many amazing wins. Uh, and I'm gonna do a full podcast episode recapping that whole challenge. Uh, And I'm even going to try and get a couple of warriors on uh, to do an Instagram live or a short podcast episode so they can talk to you about their experience doing this epic challenge for the last 26 days. So I'll do a full recap this week before I fly out uh, of the challenge, but we just wrapped it up. I have put all the final prep work into our end of year event. So I have those three amazing guest speakers, which... I'll talk about uh, in another podcast episode as well. And I've put the final touches on my trip home. So everything is planned, booked, locked in, and I'm ready to go, baby. I cannot wait uh, 
All right. Oh, what else is happening? I feel like there's something else that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, yes. Warrior School. She is opening up applications on November 10th. Uh, I just birthed a new website into the world with the help of Emma from Morris Bear Designs. We created this epic baby together and check her out. She's delicious uh, to look at. And so when you enter the, the website, it's a, you know, a welcome to my world page. And on there, you'll find the podcast, you'll find the link to sign up to my monthly newsletter called Warrior Words. You'll find a bunch of articles on there. So come in, come into my world and check it out. Uh, If you are a warrior that's already in my world, share it with another warrior who might really enjoy getting lost in that world. So I will pop the link Uh, to her in the show notes. Emma and I, we're super proud of her. We would love if you hop on, check her out. Let me know what you think. Okay, so Warrior School is taking on new warriors for the last time in 2022. So applications open on November 10th for 10 days. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about Warrior School. She is my group and individualized coaching program for women. And we use the warrior way model. So this is a model that I've created from what I've learned over the last 14 years about how to train hard, nourish well, and powerfully manage our mind. So we use this model, which is a framework that is broken down into four foundations. So the first foundation is on vision and creating a warrior mindset. So I help you get clear on your vision for your life and your training and create a warrior mindset so you can achieve what you want and have powerful relationships with yourself and your training. The second foundation is on energy and endurance. So when you choose to take the long way home, you need to be fueled well. She ain't easy and she can take a while. So we need to have the endurance for the journey. So this foundation helps you create a food strategy to support your journey. It teaches you how to eat to support your physiology or training. We need to create safety and stability through food to really I guess, put fire in our bellies and give us the energy to unleash our warrior within. Foundation three is all about training. So your training is how you build a body that is strong, powerful, and graceful. And it will be, you know, this body that will carry you through your life on your own terms with confidence. So in this foundation, I teach you how to train like a warrior So you can get stronger, get the results that you want, feel great in your body. You're on an individualized training program. You train three to four times a week and we build your foundation. Foundation four is performance. So once you've built a strong foundation, you'll understand your body in a whole new way. And in this foundation, we build on that uh, foundation. 
we advance your training and optimize your performance. So it's all about performance, data, metric tracking. Really, once you've spent the time building your foundation, where do you want to go? Like, what do you want to do? It opens up possibility, which is the coolest thing. So how do we do it? You know, how do we do things around here in Warrior School? Well, there's two parts to it. One is the individualized part. So every warrior is on an individualized training program. She trains three to four days a week. She follows a very clear program that helps her uh, build strength, mobility, stability. And then we unleash her... uh, on the barbell and with weights. So I believe bodyweight strength training is the foundation which all training should be built on. So we do a lot of bodyweight strength training first. We get confident uh, developing movement patterns in our technique. And then we start to lift weights with confidence. So most of my warriors train from home, about 80% train from home, uh, and then some go to the gym. So With your training, you have access to your own private page, which is through an app. And that's like your home for all training communication. That's where we communicate a lot of the time. So it allows you to quickly log your workouts, review past results, post comments, post your videos, ask me questions or receive feedback. You'll also have a monthly one-on-one coaching call. You know, your reinvention is totally unique. So each month we spend some solo time together on a one-on-one coaching call. And we use this time to work through any challenges, to look at the next steps, to create strategies. Uh, We look at your training. We look at key mindset areas that we need to work on. Then we have this epic group part of Warrior School And we do live group coaching calls each week. So we do warrior way calls. And in these calls, we dive into like exclusive topics on mindset, training, nutrition, beliefs, boundaries. And then we also do coaching calls. And these 60 minute calls are designed for you to meet other really badass, cool warriors Uh, And the first half of the call, we talk about the focus topic for the month. So every month we have a a focus. And then the second half is all about connection. And it's a live uh, Q&A and coaching call. So we do those every week. We also have this amazing, epic uh, private online community full of warrior women. And here you can ask for feedback, share your wins, drop questions, post your goals. Uh, It's kind of like our home. It's our hub for communication. You'll also have access to all past live events and footage and training. So every teaching and coaching call is recorded and hosted, uh, including the ones from guest teachers from around the world. So when you join, you can go back through this massive resource library of uh, past trainings and video recordings to really help you on your journey. We also have what's called the Warrior School Curriculum. So one of the missions behind Warrior School is to teach you all the things that you didn't learn in school. So you work through education modules on training, nutrition, the menstrual cycle. You can listen to guest lectures on nutrition. You can download resources. And all of this stuff helps you create a clear plan. 
a clear strategy and it helps you redefine how to train and how to live. We also have an exclusive internal podcast, which is very cool. We started it this year. So you'll be able to listen to exclusive topics uh, and episodes on mindset, training, nutrition, and hormones that only my warriors get to hear. So what's the investment? Uh, Warrior School is 380 Canadian per month for a minimum of 12 months. So I ask for a minimum time investment of 12 months. Yep. You're probably freaked out over the financial investment and the time investment, but it takes a long time to build a strong foundation. And I would keep you for a couple of years if I could, uh, but 12 months is the minimum time investment, 380 Canadian per month. And then what happens after that? You can stay in warrior school and continue your journey on a rolling monthly membership with no lock-in contract, or you can leave warrior school and cancel your membership with no additional charges. Uh, so yes, it is an advanced investment, but for the right woman, this school is where you want to be. Warrior school will teach you how to train, to get strong, to get results, to feel great in your body. She'll also teach you so much about how to redefine your relationship with yourself, your mind, your body, with food. It is full of epic women. We create this amazing circle of inspiration. Uh, and so if you, if you want to come and join us, I'd love to have you. There's three steps that you need to take if you want to join Warrior School. The first is you need to fill out the application form when applications open on November 10th. So you can click the link in my bio and it will take you to the application form, fill it out, submit it. And if it's successful, I'll invite you for a free 40 minute discovery call. So that's step two. We book a free discovery call and you tell me about your worlds, about your relationships, about training, about your goals. And I can see if we can help if Warrior School will be the right fit for you. And then step number three is start redefining how you train and live. Enroll in Warrior School and start training. Become a part of this, you know, epic community. This school will change your life and it will teach you how to train like a friggin' warrior. Okay, so you'll find the link uh, to Warrior School, to the information page in the show notes. Uh, you can also click on the application, which is on the website as well. I would love to have you. All right, episode 149, The Human Foot and the Perfect Shoe. <laughs> what a title. Yeah, we're going to talk about feet and shoes. Uh, don't worry, it's a very cool podcast episode. My guest is Pax, who is a senior coach at Restore Human, which is a personal training studio here in Vancouver. Pax and I first met about four or five years ago. Uh, I'm drawn to the work that Restore Human do, their philosophy, their approach to movement and training. It's super cool. Uh, and Pax is also a Vivo Barefoot educator, and this is why I wanted to get him on the podcast. I wanted to pick his brain on the human foot and barefoot shoes. I've been wearing barefoot shoes for almost a decade, and 
I love them. I love being barefoot. I love training in barefoot shoes. So I wanted to talk all about the feet. <laughs> uh, and I thought, okay, let's get packs on. And we can talk about the anatomy of the human foot, uh, you know, what makes a healthy foot, kind of like the evolution of the foot features of a healthy foot, you know, why we should care about foot strength, why shoes cause foot problems. Oh, we talk about so much in this podcast episode. Pax shares his story about how he became a coach. He also talks about this epic bucket list goal that he ticked off. He climbed a mountain with his wife in a backpack in barefoot shoes. So he climbed the Grouse Grind, which is a 2.5 kilometer trail up the face of a mountain here in Vancouver. And it's commonly re uh, referred to as Mother Nature's Stairmaster. And, and he had his wife in a backpack and he did it in barefoot shoes. It's epic. We talk a lot about how he trained for it. Uh, he has such a cool philosophy on health and training. He loves to do uncomfortable things with his body. Uh, so we talk about that. Uh, we talk about oh, so much in here. You know, why moving more is best for foot health, how we can strengthen our feet, the theories of barefoot running, you know, what shoes we should wear, why, and so much more. Warrior, I hope you enjoy this epic episode with Pax on the human foot and the perfect shoe. I also, just wait before we get into it, I also have a very cool gift for you. I have a discount code for Vivo Barefoot. It is Warrior School 15. So you can get 15% off of Vivo Barefoot shoes. I met one of the uh, Vivo Barefoot uh, sales reps here in Vancouver when Carson actually did a, what was it called? It was like uh, a fitness competition and they had a bunch of stalls uh, at this competition and Vivo Barefoot was a stall that was there. And I met Ray, who's one of the Vivo Barefoot uh, sales reps here in Canada. And she was also a dancer. So we were speaking a lot about feet and foot health and the problems that she has with her feet because she did point ballet. Uh, and then she invited me to connect with her to get a discount code for all of my warriors and all of my listeners for the podcast. So I get asked all the time, what shoes do you wear? Uh, there's probably not a week that goes by that someone doesn't comment on one of my training videos asking me what shoes I wear. I wear Vivo Barefoot. I can't speak highly enough of them. I have a discount code for you. Warrior School 15. Warrior School is in all caps. You need to make a profile first before entering the code. But Get yourself a pair of Vivo Barefoot shoes. I'm not sponsored. I'm not an ambassador. I am just a freaking true fan. 
and I was gifted this pretty cool gift for you. So if you want, put Vivo Barefoot Shoes on your Chrissy list. Use the discount code WarriorSchool15. Okay, let's do it. Tune in as Pax and I talk about the foot, shoes, and so many other things. Welcome to the Warrior School Podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Yeah, you're in your beautiful shirt. You've got your your plant behind you. Yeah. Perfect. Pax, welcome to the Warrior School podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you. And I do want to talk a lot about feet and Mm -hmm. shoes. But I really want to start with your story. I, you know, I... I've met you. I I know you. I I know a little bit of, you know, your philosophy and your work, but I don't know like the deep roots of it. So I really wanted to start there. What do you do? How did you come to do that? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your philosophy around health and movement. And then I want to niche into talking about your educator work with Vivo Talk a little bit about feet, footwear, shoes. Is How does that sound? Sounds like exactly what I would love to do on a Friday afternoon. These are the topics that uh, make me, you know, just keep moving, keep moving forward. Um, the ideas around health, the ideas around experiencing my own body from the feet up to the top of my head and beyond. Um, yeah, it's just such a cool lifestyle and practice to, to have, um, been given the chance to participate in. Um, so yeah, starting with my story, I like very broad brushstrokes. I grew up in Chile and mountains down in South America. And that was a gift. I really had no uh, choice in the matter. But we moved down to Chile and uh, I was about seven years old and I was running around um, with these dogs and these cats. And we had this beautiful adobe house in um, in San Jose de Maipo, which is uh, close to the capital. But at the time, uh, about 25 years ago, it was nice and rural and, you know, there wasn't much pollution, noise pollution, light pollution, um, as much as Santiago is a bustling city it's like somewhat far away so I was quite sheltered in that sense and not exposed to too much of that um that 
concrete jungle, you know, until later. So I think uh, that gifted me all of these healthy things. I was exposed uh, in the sunlight. I was getting my hands dirty. I was barefoot a lot of the time. I um, ate real whole foods from the gardens and stuff like this. And uh, I wasn't inundated by all of that, um, that city stuff. So fast forward, then I went to um, finish high school in Canada in Ontario. And I then started to pursue hospitality. I thought, well, you know, I've been traveling a little bit and uh, I like traveling. So maybe I'll get into the hospitality world and I'll go and be at a big hotel somewhere and I'll entertain people. I'm very much a people person and uh, I might end up in some beautiful forest uh, or, you know, coastline at a hotel. Again, kind of reaching for that route of being barefoot, of being outside in the sun, of moving my body, of uh, working with people and, and doing what humans do best in community. So um, I quickly realized that I would have to be very sedentary to be good at school. <laughs> and so I was sedentary for a while and I suffered all of the changes that come along with being sedentary. So I, um, you know, started to feel more sticky in my body. I started to have less vitamin D production um, because I wasn't out in the sun as much. In Ontario, the winters are long, so you're indoors a lot more often. And <clears throat> I, um, yeah, needed change after a couple years of that. So I came out to the West Coast. The West Coast in pictures looks a lot more like Chile, especially Vancouver, surrounded by mountains. It kind of looked like the mountains I grew up in. In Chile, so I came here, kind of chasing that again, and I found this city to be quite beautiful. It's very active. Um, there's a lot of people biking and running, trail running. Um, there's a lot of fitness offerings, and uh, I, I really clicked in. So I saw that happening. I wanted to participate, and I wanted to scratch my own itch, if you will. Like the idea of research is me search. So I was searching for my own answers and saying, okay, I want my body to do these things. I want to know more about the philosophies of health. I want to know how I can heal these things that I may be reading about. At the time, I was reading about um, bulletproof coffee and biohacking. So how to change your biology to get performance benefits or to live to 100 years old and these kind of ideas. And uh, I found the right guy at the right time. He was building the brand. So Carlo is the director at Restore Human. Um, so I went in and, you know, I had a similar conversation with him that I'm having with you now. I said, like, look, this is my background. These are the things that excite me, that light me up. And he said, great. You want to work for me, work with me. You know, let's develop this thing because a lot of people need it. A lot of people need education and training um, towards being more physically active but also active in specific ways to get specific outcomes and i'm sure you've talked to your audience about this before the said principle right specific adaptations to impose demands so if i don't spend time skipping let's say bouncing right doing elastic work showing my joints how to bounce then likely running is going to suffer and and running is just a series of single leg bounces we're doing these jumps, jumps, jumps time after time. But if we don't train those components of jumping, then we can run into problems, pun intended. And it then uh, like 60% of runners get an injury every year or something like this. Like there's some crazy stats on people not running well 
um, for a lot of reasons that we're going to unpack shortly. So that's the, yeah, that's the mouthful of my origin story, how I landed with the company that I'm with now, uh, being so passionate about what I do and, and yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of things. One, were you into moving your body growing up? Um, yeah, I played a lot of street ball in Chile, like football on cement with shitty shoes, uh, with heavy balls and, <laughs> and yo, you go hard. Like people slide tackle each other on cement. You smash kick things like for hours and hours and hours. My friends and I would play until like 9 PM, 10 PM, 1 AM. And then we'd be just so tired and go to school the next day. So, um, yeah, I was, I was very, very active in that sense, but I always had, I always felt slow or I always felt weak compared to like people who had seemingly so much more strength than I, like I couldn't do pull-ups um, or I didn't um, feel really quick to get the ball, stuff like that. So I didn't understand like power and speed training. I just played a lot, but it was very playful. Yeah. Yeah. So when you moved to Canada, to Ontario and did you did you start to train? Like, did your training experience start in a gym? You just playing around, or have did you have teachers? Did you do pro? Like, I'm super interested in, you know, coming from like growing up and and just moving very naturally as a child. You know, as a lot of us do. Well, we did. You know, back, <laughs> I guess when we were kids. Now I would question how much a lot of kids move, move about, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in when did you start to get really curious about your body and how you could train your body and where did your training practice start? I, I'm pretty sure it started in Canada. Um, a good friend of mine was uh, my, my anchor when I arrived. I Because I was born in Canada and then I left and grew up in Chile, but I, I had a few connections here. My mother is Canadian and she um, had some friends here, so I have... My friend James, who uh, were blood brothers, were basically like two months apart, and we know each other from birth. And so he was into the boxing at the time. He was into training. His dad was a big fitness advocate. So I landed, starting to go to uh, school with him. He was on the soccer team. Of course, I came back from Chile wanting to be on the soccer team. And then we had the gym at the high school, and then he had his boxing training. And so we really started to get into it there. Um, so that's where I learned about the gym environment itself. I hadn't really like gone to do weightlifting or um, specific plyometrics and stuff before it was just all in sport and, and uh, then I started to chase my own goals beyond that yeah started to just like get curious around the gym um, I think it helps that I'm an extrovert so I would just like talk to people and say like oh what's this how do you do that and oh how do you how do you do this cool you know gymnastics thing like I did handstands for a while um, and it was a curiosity fueled by the right environment. So uh, definitely our, our behaviors are very much dictated by our environments. And I luckily had a friend, um, gym time, and a sports team to participate with. Yeah. And then when you came to Restore Human, can you tell me about that experience of coming on board Uh you know, and talk a little bit about what you do now, like what you do for work, what the philosophy of Restore Human. Uh, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to hear about that. 
Yeah. So Restore Human in a nutshell empowers people to adventure with nature. And we use those terms because we want people to learn the stuff themselves and feel empowered. We're educators. We're not just um, drill sergeants. I'm not just telling you like drop and give me 20 push-ups and then do it again. And then like, you know, my way or the highway um, I'm teaching people how to find their own limits and how to, to really yeah, feel that empowerment. And then the adventure part is um, big or small, like anything from being able to work in your garden at home and squat and crawl and carry stuff and reach overhead and prune trees for six hours. If you want, like, it's hard stuff to use tools all day. Like, you know, we train carpenters, construction people. Um, so that could just be an adventure to be able to move well in an environment that is demanding physically. And then we also have all the like um, adventures that happen in nature. As I mentioned here in Vancouver, there's so much trail running and skiing and hiking and kayaking and rock climbing and these fun sports that people classify as adventure. Um, so that's the vision we want to share with people. It's like, if you learn how to pilot your body well and how to take care of it, then you can do all the adventures that you want to do. Um, and day to day, like, that's just what we do. We have people come in and we say, okay, can you back to that example? Can you jump? Can you jump on one leg? Is your left leg different than your right leg? Did you ever have a car accident? okay, let's make your right leg and your left leg work pretty similarly in jumping. Then can you jump for two minutes or 17 minutes or can you run a 5K? And it's all, all of those questions just start to get answered. Um, we're not super prescriptive with programs. It's, um, there are certain things that we consider like the human baseline. Certain joints need to move well, right? Your hips and shoulders should rotate and your ankles should bend and all these things. And uh, if they're not doing that, we can retrain them to do that. And then we let people decide on their adventures, right? Where other sports are very specific, obviously soccer, it's like learn how to sprint and smash goals. <laughs> and so, which is very cool. Like, I love that. So if you're a soccer player, like do that, do train specifically to kick with your, you know, with your good leg really well. And then maybe with your um, non-dominant leg also, train it enough because that's actually one of the problems that I ran into. I was only using my dominant leg for the longest time. So my body shaped to that pattern of just kicking with my right leg and uh, had to unwind that in the last couple of years of training. So yeah, hope that's a snapshot of how Restore Human works. Yeah. Like even the name, when I first heard the name, the, the idea of human and you know, I, I have thought about this a lot that because of our environment, you know, our environment has shaped us to be very sedentary. And so we've lost this humanness that we we had a long time ago. And it's the the idea that we, there is a part of us that has to, you know, some to have someone to help lead us to find our humanness again through movement is, um, it's a wild, I think, idea or concept that kind of seems a little crazy, but 
we do. We need to know how to restore human or humanness or this generalized movement uh, back into us because we've lost that. So could you just talk a little bit about that around, Mm. you know, we can have a very specific goal and that could be to run a certain distance or to play a certain sport or perform well or lift heavy. But talk a little bit about the humanness, that stuff underneath that, the generalized stuff that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. The the um, idea of humanful came to us not long ago. And it's obviously combining mindfulness and bodyfulness. And we always talk about these things separately, but it humanful is just this expression of like, what did we evolve to do? That is a big part of the conversation because humans have been these peak predator, you know, species for a long time in deep nature, in complex terrains like forests and oceans and stuff like this. And then we now have these mega cities and we're all sedentary. And that happened like, boom, like in the last <laughs> second of existence. Yeah. So and let's we're all look weak. At, we're weak. We're weak. We're, we're Physically, weak, like, mentally, and we're sedentary. Yeah. No longer predators. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. We used to be peak predators. Now we are. Uh, <laughs> we, now we, we have good um, magazines that show us the the peak version of what humans can do in the Olympics and stuff like this. But, um, but yeah, that actually, that, that doesn't speak to the human full aspect, like a specialist, like you said, specialist is not a person who can necessarily move well generally. So someone who's very good at one sport uh, might actually lack a lot of ranges of motion in their body because they've tightened their joints up so much to be so explosive on the on the track and field like you know 100 meter sprint that maybe they can't just relax in a resting squat um, where your knees come over your toes because your ankles can bend and your spine totally flexes and all of your joints just fold right down and you're relaxed you're in a resting position um, so these are certain biomechanical baselines of humanness that we uh, that we look at but then it's the attributes, like you said, mentally, um, resilience is lost in a lot of practices. So it's a matter of telling people like being uncomfortable is okay. We have a crisis of comfort. We have a, a big lack of, of experiencing discomfort and realizing how much that helps us learn good lessons, how much it like um conditions our our bodies and minds we get the the right calluses on the right places to handle the friction of challenge that we decide to train so that's like being cold being hot um being super sweaty uh you know being able to push a really heavy object out of the way or like handle falling down and not smashing yourself um on the wrong part like you you a cat has a writing reflex you throw a cat up in the air don't recommend doing this with a cat watch videos of experts doing it um but cats have writing reflexes so they they 99 of the time land on their feet because their body just naturally flips into place 
they're really mobile and then boom, they've got the proprioception to understand where the ground is, uh, which direction is up and how to land it properly. And our bodies do that too, unless we don't train it. So we need to train um, what we call uh, stimulus reactivity. So the capacity to respond to stimulus is whether it's a loud noise or whether it's a moving um, surface, you know, you're on a trail, you step on a log. Oh, this is really fun on our last bushwhacking trip. Um, we call them pretend logs because they look like logs, but they're not. They're rotted and you just go straight through them. Um, so you take a step on a pretend log wearing a 60 pound backpack and that's 265 pounds in my case going in an unexpected direction in the middle of a very dangerous environment with sticks and roots and things that can like break my ankles and knees. Um, so I need to prepare for that. And if I only do back squats, I'm not going to be ready for the reactiveness necessary to move through a complex environment. And this could also be in the city, which is much more related, uh, relatable. Um, someone who's on their bike and then has a car cut them off and they need to take a quick turn and go over a curb. And it's like the, your joints can handle that. They can bounce. You can know how to distribute your weight while you're going over a curb. Um, but if you don't train it at all, then you might react really poorly to that scenario and end up bailing off your bike. So um, these are things that can absolutely be part of the program. Uh, we like to, to test people with that. So yeah, resilience training, teaching people how to be uncomfortable, teaching them how to play, how to have fun, how to um, have like aesthetics be the outcome of the fun that they're having change those internal narratives, right? Like humans weren't so worried before about, hey, do I look better than this other person in my tribe? Am I more, you know, quote unquote, sexy than them? That was so much less important than, hey, are, are we able to together as a tribe, um, you know, teach our kids how to hunt and gather? So like, are we able to teach our kids how to carry the stuff that they collect are we able to teach them how to climb trees you know so it's it's that aspect like just good wholesome training that allows people to move really well and feel connected to their bodies and smile and be uncomfortable and and not worry about it and God, these are good aspects of human training yeah yeah so cool before uh we get into talking about how you connected with Vivo and the feet and shoes. Uh, before we started recording, you were just sharing a bucket list goal that you had just <laughs> ticked off. And I think taking what you were just talking about um, around training, training for a particular task, would you be open to sharing this bucket list and then sharing a little bit of like, kind of like backcasting that to like, give us a, a little bit of a story or an understanding of how you trained for this very cool, crazy, um, task. And I'd also really like to pick your brain on the mental side of it. Like what you went through mentally as you, as you did it. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the grouse grind is here in Vancouver. It's a beautiful feature of Grouse Mountain. And it's a roughly two and a half kilometer climb up the side of a mountain, um, dubbed Nature's Stairmaster, because it is quite a, a staircase and it's um, really steep. 
and people run up it all the time to challenge themselves. So a lot of people run up it really, really fast. And I've tried to go really, really fast and uh, I'm decently fast, but I'm not going to break the top record for that. I can't compete against these, you know, super light trail runners. Again, I'm 205 pounds. I'm a big person. And um, I, yeah, that like specializing in speed up mountains wasn't going to be my thing. Uh, I also never really got into like competitive weightlifting, which might've been better for someone of my body type. Um, so I don't have any gold medals and I'm cool with that. You know, I, uh, I don't have to prove it to anyone, but I did come to this point with my training over the last few years that I saw something, this target, and I, I knew it was doable. So I just wanted to know that I could do it for myself um, to, to prove that the restore human method of training uh, works that my uh, understanding of exercise science and physiology and mindset and nutrition all can come together to get me to this goal. So I decided to carry a person up the gross grind and put them in a backpack and uh, maybe have the world record for the heaviest, not the fastest climb up this um this course, but maybe the heaviest. Uh, I've yet to find something on the internet that that would show someone else doing something heavier. So uh, might be that. So I put my wife in a backpack, and then <laughs> I uh, climbed up Vancouver's Grouse Grind. So it's like 850 meters of elevation uh, over the 2.5 kilometers of distance. That's so a very very steep climb, and it took me um, an hour and 45, which I'm told isn't that bad of a time. So maybe I have to beat my own time in the future. Um, but to, to describe the training going into that, like I um, nerded out about how it felt to go up with much less weight. So first I just took like a regular backpack, you know, like a 20 pound day pack, water, jacket, hiking gear, whatever. And then um, I could still go pretty fast with that, but I knew as things got heavier, you can't go faster. The biomechanics change quite a bit when you slow down. The um, loading pattern on, on my muscles changed. So then I started to scale it. I tried a 40-pound bag and a 60-pound sandbag. Um, first of all, around my neck. So that was super uncomfortable. So I was just holding this thing like a yoke. And my neck, my traps, my scalene muscles, like my whole upper body was just, it was the most painful experience in uh in a fitness session that i've ever had um my legs were fine my cardiovascular system were totally fine it was on the that wasn't the challenge it was the neck it was that my i had like a koala bear sitting on my neck the whole time um and so i kept on scaling that up and i kept on chasing um different ways of of loading my body with a weight vest with a backpack full of stuff uh, and I got to the 100-pound mark. And so my partner weighs about 115 to 120 pounds, and then the backpack and then our snacks and whatever we needed to take up, um, you know, maple syrup, lots of maple syrup. Um, so it ended up being 130 pounds. So I thought, okay, well, from 100 to 130, that's a pretty big jump, a 30% jump in, um, in load over this long, long distance. So it's not uh, like a 30% jump in a bench press, which is still incredibly hard to do overnight. Um, 
and something that takes like a very steady uh, step words procedure to achieve. So I then trained the components of uh, lifting something that heavy. I um, did a lot of reverse lunges with 185 pounds on my back. And then I supersetted that with 220 pound deadlifts. And then I just am wrapped that for as much time as I could keep moving. So I did about 60 minutes of like rounds of 30 reps of 180 to 220 pound leg movements um, with my heart rate at like 170 for the whole thing. You know, weightlifting with your heart rate at 170 is not common. <laughs> so I, I knew I needed to stay there, however, because um, that is part of the, the challenge of going up, right? Trying to go up a mountain with a heavy thing on your back, your heart rate's just going to rev and it's going to stay high and you're going to feel the pain. So I need, I, of course, I needed to access the pain cave as much as possible. So I did all these key workouts in the pain cave and I took note of all of these aspects. Okay, what did I eat? Um, how much weight am I moving around? How's my body loading? What muscle groups? Um, where's my heart rate at? How long did I stay in that heart rate zone? And using all of the science of training, I was able to, to do the thing. So it was really cool to watch all of the notes turn into reality, all of the, the poking and prodding uh, at my body to actually um, adapt and, and to actually not uh, get an injury in doing this too. So that was fun. It's so cool. It's so cool. Uh, what's the pain cave? from people maybe who have never been inside it what does it look like to you or feel like to you what happens to your mind in that pain cave oh uh, there's a lot of um enteroceptive cueing that would tell you to get the hell out of whatever you're doing um what i mean by that is like so your heart rate goes up to a place where you really feel like your heart's pounding in your chest you can't get enough oxygen in um you maybe your sweat is going into your eyes and it stings or you know maybe your uh, muscles are burning with all this lactate and like your legs feel like they're made of jello and fire at the same time and they can <laughs> don't work work really well um so all these things are are physiological aspects of the pain cave and then you face your own mind and then you you like you start to really question okay why am i doing this or is this safe um or do, yeah, do I need to um, bring up any kind of, of like old injuries inside my myself or my psychology that might have led me to here, right? Like the pain cave um, is something that athletes talk about a lot with um, their desire to win. So for me, it wasn't like I was beating another person or another team. It's not this competitive drive of like winner and loser or this like, you know, very kind of um, cutthroat approach that like do or die, right? Death or victory, this, this, uh, this feeling that, that pro athletes get, well, that, you know, any athlete has, I'm sure at uh, times. Um, but for me, since I didn't have to do it for anyone else, it was really about finding that intrinsic motivation of like, I I do only have this one body, it seems. Uh, if I'm going to reincarnate, then that's cool, but I'll have to train up to do it all over again anyway. So I'm here. I'm doing my own training. 
and I want to know what's possible. And I am relentlessly optimistic about these things. And so relentless optimism is part of my personal philosophy. Um, I really think that I can uh, do these things without suffering through them. So like I said, there's all this physiological pain going on, but mentally I'm actually having a ball. I'm like, I'm so excited to do really, really hard training and to like laugh about it and to just like sweat and grin ear to ear at the same time. And uh, I'm grinning ear to ear because I also love it. Like I love, I'm obsessed with discomfort, like especially physical discomfort. I, I love it. I, and that's why I love the sauna work and the ice bath work. And I know that you love, like you're, you're an extreme human. You like to put yourself in extreme, you do extreme things. Well, what people would perceive as extreme things, but like you, it turns you on. I can tell, you know, by observing and watching uh, you navigate those things, but I love it as well. I think like, why, like, why not? It's exciting. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is I think the best thing I can offer the audience too about this is like whatever your project is, because I'm hoping this is inspiring whoever's listening to be like, fuck yeah. Can I swear on this podcast? Um, (laughs) So to say like, okay, I'm going to do something for myself. That is awesome. And um, of course do it within the limits of where your body's at so don't compare yourself to me or don't compare yourself to amy or don't compare yourself to you know kipchoge who's running two-hour marathons like they're easy um <laughs> so uh yeah don't compare yourself that's where i think that the pain cave becomes um fraught with suffering right because you're like i'm not hitting the times that this athlete's hitting i'm not lifting the weight that this other guy's lifting uh that doesn't matter do it for you and it took me two years to do the grouse grind challenge. Like, and, and I, you know, might take it somewhere else in the future. And it might take me another two years to hit another kind of a personal best with this um, challenge. And I'm cool to be patient with that training and to stack the deck so that I get the, the nutrition, the community support, the sleep, um, the appropriate training in line over however long it takes. So that's the really cool thing, right? Don't rush it. Do it for yourself. Um, be specific and uh, yeah, and 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 do it hopefully with with optimism. Yeah, and uh, Pax just showed me a photo of him and his wife <laughs> on the side of the mountain, and he had Vivo barefoot shoes on. So he did this epic thing in Vivo barefoot, and so I want to talk about. Uh, feet and footwear. I get asked all of the time. There won't be a week that goes by that someone won't say, why are you training in bare feet? Or "Why? what shoes are you wearing? Uh, so I want to know, how did you connect with them? And, you know, what does that relationship look like? And then can we talk about the human foot? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I did the challenge in Vivo Barefoots. Um, I love wearing minimal shoes uh and pretty much my closet is full of vivo barefoot shoes um i've been wearing vivos for close to 12 years now i think and i found them in victoria so i was living on vancouver island and there's this really sweet spot called health essentials 
shout out health essentials they are such a cool place to go and shop for all of your your health needs and they had been carrying vivos because of course they're health nerds and they <laughs> knew okay vivo barefoot shoes are going to help people get healthier feet so i bit the bullet there i got my first pair i started training in them um yeah 12 years ago and then i uh luckily when I found Restore Human, also realized like everyone's barefoot at Restore Human. Interesting. I've been wearing these barefoot shoes. This place that I want to work at, everyone's barefoot all the time. There's a connection here. And the, the link is like that feet are way better than shoes at the end of the day. <laughs> feet are way more uh, of an intelligent design than we could ever create um, in terms of a thing that would make our limbs work better than the foot itself. So the shoe is just a protective mechanism for a lot of these um, unnatural things like uh, sharp um, you know, pieces of glass in a city park. You know, I hope people don't break glass all around, but, uh, but it happens. So the, the technology that is Vivo Barefoot is quite simple. It's just wrap your foot in something that doesn't let it get punctured. Otherwise, let it do its job, which is to have the toes space out have the arch and the knuckles of the foot bend in all these cool directions have the ankle bend in all these cool directions there's not much ankle support in any of the vivo shoes you can tie the boots a little higher if you want and that's so that like dirt doesn't get in um, to your socks or you, you know there's a few waterproof versions where you don't want to get your socks wet and stuff too going through puddles but ultimately you don't want your shoes to restrict movement uh, natural movement of your feet your feet are very complex so um i connected with vivo canada more recently uh on that journey health essentials let me know that vivo barefoot canada was starting to build that there was a new family taking over representing the brand here in canada so very lucky to reach out to them and, and them be so gracious to say like yes come on board you know start doing events with us um start doing podcasts like this let's create um education material and let's get vivos in the hands of your community um so they've been they've been very nice to us and um i can't wait to get more people into vivo barefoot shoes um so yes there's that that drive to do it quickly however we need the education behind what it means to be in a barefoot shoe because we're not used to it culturally our shoes are generally overbuilt you know uh, shoes have these massive cushions underneath them a lot of the time especially in the fitness world and athletics um so or soccer shoes don't have these big cushions under them but they're like uh they're like thimbles or something they're like you know super tight fitting just they're gloves that are pointy and that make your foot into a, a club to smash balls with functional to a degree not healthy so for the health of your foot, you want to look at something that's a lot more spacious. If you are listening to this and you can look down at your feet and then splay your toes and get a nice big toe splay, then let it relax or even then squeeze your feet and squeeze your toes together and notice the difference, right? Notice the difference in space that happens when you splay. It's a lot of surface area that's taken up. And then when you squeeze, there's a small amount of surface area that's taken up. So that's where the shoe technology 
comes in like, okay, I want to be able to access all of that range of motion, but I also want to protect my feet from sharp things or roots and rocks and things on trail run. So um, yeah, that's I kind of bounce around with, uh, with the history of Vivo and then um, the bit about the, the human foot, but those are some important, important parts. Uh, I think takeaways gotta have a lot of space for your foot to be healthy. Uh, whether that's training barefoot itself or using barefoot shoes. Um, and then you want to um, slowly transition to them because our current uh, most popular shoes are very, very different than Vivo Barefoots. So the transition will imply changes in muscle use, changes in loading patterns with your body. Um, and the, uh, yeah, the, the other thing is just the, um, being able to interact with natural terrain instead of always being on a flat floor. So there's, I mean, or again, like a soccer pitch, um, you need to start to factor in where you're going to wear the shoes and what function they, they do have. Yeah. Um, I've worn barefoot shoes for a really long time. And then when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting, I'd have to wear my lifters, uh, sometimes, but I started to have some foot stuff go on with my left, uh, foot and my coach, we would do tree climbing. And so a session, like we would do sessions where I would have to go out and do work on different terrain to train my foot essentially. And the rest of my training was all barefoot. And people used to say all the time to all of us lifting all of these heavy weights, like, why don't you have shoes on? (laughs) Because they think it's so dangerous. And I'm like, I tell you what, that Nike that you got on there ain't going to do shit if a like an 80 kilo barbell is going to come down on your foot. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I had had done some really cool stuff with my coach around the, like foot training and sensory work and stability and strong. And I guess what I found really fascinating and the way that Vivo talks about it is they talk about it as like the evolution of the foot, how it's, you know, there's a sensory piece, there's a stability piece, and there's a strong piece. And then we think about all the shoes that we wear today. It takes the sensory, it takes the stability, and it takes the strong out of it, doesn't it? So can you just talk yeah. to that a little bit? Can we unpack what does that even mean? Like what does a, a, a foot that is able to sense things like why is that important why do we need a stable foot naturally like barefoot not just locking it in like in a hiking boot you know you were telling your story about hiking the grouse mountain and a lot of people not that they top of mind think about footwear but they would assume you probably wore a massive big hiking boot to do that yeah to keep like the foot stable and then that makes the foot strong I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about those three the three ideas or concepts yeah absolutely yeah that that idea of like bracing for stability um really implies that we are so linear right like that we every step we take is on this like perfectly flat angle and our bodies are not straight lines we our muscles are all curved our bones are slightly curved um so when we move there's so much variability there's so much weight shifting even micro weight shifting that happens when you think you're standing still your breathing will change how you're loading your feet so if you have um an image like if you have a a sensor uh, that you can stand on to watch pressure points as you stand there it'll feed uh, a 
like a Christmas lights image um, to the monitor where it's showing that you're constantly changing pressure points on the muscles of your feet. Uh, and that's because our bodies are constantly in motion. So even then when we're walking, when we're running, when we're hiking, doing weightlifting, there's a ton of variability. You know, you try and pull a weight off the ground, your left hand pulled 50 milliseconds faster than your right hand. So now your weight is distributed slightly towards that side. And then you are bracing certain muscles because that's what you've trained to do. So your feet are starting to screw into the ground to, to find that strength and stability. Um, that all happens with such a beautiful randomness that um, we can't pretend like a, a hiking boot with high laces is going to be able to stabilize all of that. You know, like if I'm if I'm taking a misstep on a hiking trip, the rest of my body is dealing with it. It's not the boot. So um, I do teach rolling your ankle like we, we practice that, too. So there's this idea of load bearing capacity. And here we're kind of getting to that strength idea. So the load bearing capacity of all of the tissues in your body can be trained. People um, lose bone density or they gain bone density back. So we can have um, tissues become a lot more load bearing. You can have ligaments in the ankles, tendons, muscles be able to handle much heavier weights. So then if I do roll my ankle and I end up on an angle where I'm generally weak, if I've trained that angle, then it won't necessarily break mm. or I won't necessarily strain something. You know, think of someone who's never done handstands. You put them in a, in a handstand for 60 seconds, their wrist tendons and ligaments are going to scream at them. Yeah. Someone who does handstands all the time, they're probably accumulating 20 minutes of volume per handstand session. So it's load-bearing capacity and strength endurance of these tissues. The same happens for all of the stuff within um, the foot, the, the muscles of the toes and uh, but the foot's way too complex for me to get into the no. names of everything, right? <laughs> like, <But> yeah. <laughs> we have so many bones and so many muscles and so many tendons and ligaments in our feet. And it's similar to how our hands operate. So our hands are these beautifully dexterous systems, right? We can move our hands in extremely cool and um, fine-tuned ways. And our feet can get to that point in terms of managing our center of gravity as it interacts with different terrain that might be slippery, um, wet, hot, cold, spiky, uh, leaning, wobbly, uphill, downhill, and so forth. So you're constantly calculating all of these inputs so that you can move smoothly and not um, lose your balance as you go over stuff. Uh, and that's where if we put a cushion between all of the sensors of the foot and uh, the ground, then you don't get that feedback. You don't know if what you're standing on is any of those hot, cold, slippery things until you're maybe falling down towards it. So if you have a shoe that provides a lot more sensory feedback, this is how Vivo Barefoots are designed. Um, nice, thin sole, quite pliable, very similar to the texture of our muscles. And, um, and then with a good texture for grip on certain surfaces, but also a texture that offers its own bit of feedback, you'll feel the lugs on the bottom of the shoe kind of bending in such a way that you feel, okay, there's a lot more sharpness between my big toe, my first toe, um, and I can feel the shoe kind of bending over this rock that I'm standing on right now. Mm. That's very important information as I'm hiking. Um, 
and it happens all subconsciously. So, you know, we wear barefoot shoes in our day to day often enough, and then our feet become accustomed to them and we take them out on adventures. Um, there was a good study done by Viva where they took a control group of people in a tribe who had been or who have been barefoot for their entire lives. And they compared that uh, group's foot strength to the foot strength of the experimental group um, in the in the West here. So I'm pretty sure it was in the United States. And they tested the strength of different parts of the foot. So like the strength of the big toes capacity to press down or of the strength of the splay of the toes, uh, the strength of the bend onto the knuckles of the toe, like you're standing on the ball of your foot. And then they found that the, the tribe had a lot more strength in their feet. Then they switched from conventional shoes, doesn't matter what that person was wearing, um, doesn't matter what kind of fitness regime they had or didn't have, they took you know people from all walks of life out of dress shoes, they took them out of fitness shoes, they took them out of um, what other, uh, I don't know, stilettos, <laughs> you know, they, they took them out of all these conventional shoes that you see in the city, and they put them in a nice flat, people barefoot. And then six months later, that group had regained about 60% of the foot strength that the tribe already had. So amazing, right? Imagine six months of weightlifting, six months of weightlifting, and I'm going to lift a lot heavier. All the stuff that I've decided to train is going to get strengthened. And when I take the pillow off the bottom of my foot and I teach my foot muscles to have to press off the ground or to eccentrically load as I um, step down onto the ground, then we're getting reps and reps on those muscles and more reps lead to more strength. And so the, um, the sensory feedback, which improves the stability and then which over time causes the strength adaptations is all packaged into just spending more time in the shoes. Yeah, but why, like, why should we care about foot strength? Like, how is that going to help us as a human, as a person that trains? Why is it important? Yeah, well, uh, I mentioned one thing there that is uh, injury prevention. So that's yeah. near and dear to me because I do extreme things. So I want to be able to keep doing fun things and not get injured. Um, but then it's how it informs the rest of the biomechanical chain in your body. So maybe eliminating a heel lift in a boot or in a stiletto or something causes the person's ankle to come down. So they're a bit more flat, which biases their weight onto the middle of their foot, which if you can picture then causes their center of mass to go straight up from their foot to their head, which means they're not leaning forward because of a heel lift in their shoe. So that takes a lot of loading off of the stuff that has to resist you leaning forward. If you hang your head forward for a minute, your neck is gonna get tired because the weight of your head is pulling on your neck muscles. So if you hang your whole body forward, then certain areas of your body are taking a lot of that weight. So that can lead to pain, that can lead to stiffness, um, and so forth. So you can you can eliminate those things over time as well from the ground up. Um, and then let me see what else uh, in terms of the the beauty of it. I think like down to the actual experience within the foot. You know, we have foot problems like plantar fasciitis. We have bunions. We have hammer toes. We have um, all sorts of of skin things that can happen too that may be uh, very much improved by 
improved circulation in the foot. Mm -hmm. So space within the muscles, lots of movement within all those tissues throughout uh, each day. And then you're helping clear out these skin conditions or, or fascial adhesions and stuff like that. So there's a ton of medical terminology that applies to the foot. And generally, if you're spending more time barefoot, you're going to be aiding those causes a lot of the time. Yeah, the foot pain or the foot problems, that's so common, isn't it? Like people will often say, yeah, I have foot pain or, you know, they have that plantar fascia pain or, you know, the the heel pain. Uh, you know, and I know that there is many things that can potentially, you know, be at play as to why, you know, what's going on on a biomechanical level. But how do shoes play into that, you know, all these feet problems that we have, what's the role of the shoe in those common foot problems? Yeah, well, weak tissues um, don't get much circulation, right? They're weak because they haven't been used much. So that's where we start to see things get sticky or things atrophy. Um, so weak foot muscles may be uh, um, caused from wearing shoes that prevent the muscles from working too much or from compressing the foot into this nice tight little dress shoe that then um, causes cramping and stuff. And over time, those cramps, you know, if you've worn a dress shoe to a wedding and then you're like, I can't wait to take these things off at the end of the day, but you do that enough times, maybe, you know, you wear the same dress shoe to the office and stuff. Um, you, you, your, your nervous system learns, oh, well, that's coming again. That's normal, that cramp. So I'm just going to stop that sensation of cramp and we're just going to gel those tissues together and we're going to just leave it there because I don't want to have to send that signal to this person day after day and cause all this suffering yeah. and remind them that they're yeah. cramping. So our nervous system adapts to these things, but they're maladaptations, they're bad adaptations. Um, so shoes can absolutely cause all those problems. Like, And then um, we get the, well, the lack of, of, movement within the shoe is also then going to block the bending of uh, the ankle, the toes, the arch, um, and stuff like that. So a lot of it is, is really biomechanical. Um, but I can speak to the, then the philosophical shift that happens as well with someone who decides to experiment with these more natural shoes, if you will, these more primal shoes, we're starting to get back to our hunter-gatherer roots <laughs> or something like this. It does open the door for that conversation. If people start to care a little bit about those ideas, they'll find a wealth of knowledge that will make them so much healthier. So then they might start to be barefoot in natural environments more often, like go for barefoot walks along the beach with their loved ones and um, live that dream. And we know that then there's the cascading effect of how much other cool health stuff is happening because I'm not afraid to take my shoes off and walk in the forest and do forest bathing, or I'm not afraid um, to cut my foot on a barnacle when I go down to the beach uh, because my foot has a normal callus on it that makes the tissue um, less sensitive. Um, so that is a, that would be a, a beneficial adaptation. I spend a bunch of time barefoot Therefore, the skin on the bottom of my foot becomes less sensitive, has a slight callus. So textures and things don't bug me as much. So philosophically, I can 
go into these environments and have a good time uh, at the beach and not be um, that person who's like, Ooh, what if I like cut my foot? I'm worried. I'm just going to stay in my car sitting instead of go out and use my body at the beach. Yeah. Uh, since I've lived here, I have worn shoes more than ever in my life, especially during winter. Uh, but growing up in Australia, we were barefoot all of the time and as kids and our our feet were so tough. Like we could walk on like the hottest tar and the hottest sand or over like all of these sharp objects and it didn't really bother us. Now, sometimes I'll take my shoes off and I'll walk over a surface and I'm like, ow, 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 because I just don't expose myself as much to it as I previously did. Uh how do we make our feet strong? Is it spending more time barefoot or do we do we do certain things for our feet? Yeah, I think you can speed the process up by doing specific training or you can just spend more time barefoot, um, which will cause that process over time. But um, balancing on one foot at a time while barefoot, you know, it's super simple. Uh, most people can do this. So you just take one foot off the ground, put your other leg off in space, and then notice what happens. You watch your foot and your your toe will start to press the ground intermittently and your ankle will start to twitch a little bit. And you can see all the tendons that are going up into your ankle. They start to fire and stuff. And this is that constant motion that I was talking about earlier. Your body's constantly like almost falling because gravity wants you on the ground and your muscles are helping you stay upright. So um, that, you know, spending more time balancing will speed up the process, um, spending more time doing uh, small jumps in the beginning, right? So skipping barefoot, if that feels good, um, bending down into the toes, squatting deep, uh, or um, lifting your body weight onto the balls of the feet, like, like maybe um, not a ballerina would do, not onto the knuckles. Uh, but onto the pad, onto the forefoot, and having toe extension so that all the toes are uh, splayed back, you know, balancing there. That's a really, really, really good drill. It makes you strong calf raises with your um, shoes off and so forth. So finding finding stuff to balance on as well, right? Like walking on a, on a high beam. Uh, at Restore Human, we have logs yeah. and ropes on the ground. So a nice thick rope it has a beautiful texture. And then you get people to walk the rope and have to balance on it. And it's hard to stay balanced. And um, it's not about being perfect at it. It's about spending time on it, which will quickly strengthen the foot and reduce that sensitivity that we were talking about. So um, shout out Katie Bowman, who is a awesome author and biomechanist and mother and uh, leader in this, in this world of natural movement. Uh, and she talks about vitamin texture, vitamin T. So we, we need vitamin texture in, uh, for all of our, our body parts. We need to, um, you know, sit on the grass and we need to roll in the sand and we need to climb trees and we need to walk on ropes and stuff like this. And all those textures will be informing our body of, of, uh, so much of its, of its natural function. So yeah, it also make you much more comfortable in, in, uh, out in nature. So this is, this is a big goal, uh, for restore human. And for everyone, I think, who wants to get um, stronger in general, I think, you know, it'll make you a lot stronger if you're 
able to go out into um, into nature more often. And in nature, you will rub up against uh, coarse things or um, sticky things or uh, slippery things and, and all this. And, and, you know, hopefully you don't get grossed out or afraid or um, spooked by, yeah, by these things like, you know, having rain fall on you and then having to walk across a log. Now it's slippery and um, you're, you're confident to do so like that is not happening enough. People in the city, when was the last time you walked across a slippery log? Think, think about it. If you haven't done it in a while, go do it this winter. Winter in Vancouver is right around the corner. Yeah, I love that. Vitamin T. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. The last thing I just wanted to ask you about was barefoot running. You know, this idea of like, how do we, you know, we've been wearing those nice padded shoes for a really long time that give me the great support that I need to run. If I'm curious about this and I've started to spend some more time barefoot, I've maybe helping, I'm getting some help with like learning some strength pieces or, you know, for my feet. How do we start with this barefoot running thing? Because we, we can't just put them on and then just go out and do our you know, our normal 5k or a 10k run, that ain't going to be a good time. So yeah. yeah, can you just, I guess, lastly, just share a little bit about the approach or how you would help lead people into starting to experiment with barefoot running or even like, like barefoot hiking, like going for a long hike in, you know, barefoot shoes that we can't just whack them on and, you know, go for hours and hours on an end if the foot isn't used to it or, or strong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're touching on dosing. Um, yeah. Find your dose, you know, maybe choose to wear your barefoot shoes every other weekend. And cause on the weekends you go and you hike or you walk around the city and you do uh, more steps per day than you do Monday to Friday. Right. So um, maybe if you're tracking steps, you have an actual metric to put towards that dose or it's just your office shoe and you wear it every other day and um, that kind of thing. So dosing is a big thing. Then when it comes to running specifically, um, I would slash your distances and your expected times by like 70% or something. Like if you do a 10K, do a 3K and see how that feels. Um, and that's if you do a strong 10K. If you do a 10K and your knees hurt, then there's other stuff to address first than just trying the next pair of shoes and expecting that to change the pain. Um, definitely working with a coach, obviously, and this is what I do every day. So uh, having someone from the outside watch you while you're running is the most effective thing to change gait pattern. So if there is a um, technique reason why your knees hurt, then having someone else correct that for you, even if it's just one running se uh, session, will probably be the best bet. And then um, doing a bunch of other stuff as well. So like we said, just wearing the shoes to uh, a group class that you usually do, something that's less uh, impactful than, than a full out um, 10K. Like running is extremely uh, laborious. Running is a hard skill. It's a, it's a heavy movement uh, in terms of how much, like how much stress it puts on the body cardiovascularly on the tissues and ligaments. And so because of that, 
it makes you really strong long-term. Running is an awesome vehicle for really healthy humans. However, it also, like I said in the very beginning, I think um, it most of the time, about 60% of people get injured with running every year. So to reduce that, I think maybe draw on philosophically the stuff we also talked about that it's, you're not competing against other people. You're, you're doing the experiment yourself. You are a scientist, you're accumulating data and you're then analyzing that data and you're saying, okay, I went for a one kilometer run in my new shoes and this is how I felt. And then I went for a 1.5 kilometer run and this is how I felt. Ooh, I felt my calves a lot and I felt my right calf actually more. My right calf got a cramp at the end. I remember when I was stretching, my right calf was cramping. So I should investigate that and um, then figure out the kind of the, the slightly longer term um, patterns for that. So you can take that goal of the 10K and then build up to it over like a month or two months and, and just be structured with it, right? Be smart. We're all adults here. We can uh, we can be smart about <laughs> what we do, you know. Yeah, adults aren't very good at dosing or patience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Uh, is there anything else that you wanna wanna share, talk about before we finish? Um, I think uh, in the realm of in the realm of training. Um, you know, I think I do urge people to do cardio. I think cardio is extremely invaluable, um, cardio, and then maintaining a certain amount of muscle mass. So that's a whole other conversation, obviously, in terms of how to nourish the muscles to grow. Um, and I'm not saying like grow muscles, like big, <laughs> muscly, be big and muscly. I'm just saying like have muscle mass. Like if, um, if you then take a body scan, it's like, yeah, this person has muscle mass or, um, there's a lot of people who look slender. They don't have much muscle mass. There's a, a lot of people who, um, look heavier and they also don't necessarily have that much muscle mass. They have different types of tissues, um, fat tissue or not much tissue at all. So anyways, like I said, it's a big conversation, but cardio, um will is the engine of longevity so lung capacity is directly related to a longer lifespan so if you want to live longer improve your lung capacity that is your cardiovascular system your respiratory system get good circulation uh through your entire body on a weekly basis and then um learn how to do strength training with uh, amy or with myself <laughs> yeah. yes uh beautiful we'll end there I think that's such a really cool place to to end and we could just go on and on and on and talk so like we could just dive into so many topics Pax but uh I really appreciate you I appreciate your time uh your work your knowledge uh it's um it was a pleasure to talk to you Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Thanks to Vivo Barefoot for suggesting I come out here and be on the podcast. I hope this information is valuable for people. Um, and reach out. Reach out if you have questions. Reach out to me. Reach out to Restore Human. Reach out to Amy. This is what humans do as well. We communicate. We are uh, social creatures. So we, we don't have to do this alone. We can train together. Yes, we can train together. I love that. 
Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I will pop uh, all the information in the show notes, uh, but you should, yeah, check out Restore Humans' work. Have a look at their space. It's so funky. Like I want that space in my apartment, in my house. Have a look at it. It's and what they do, it's it's really, really, really cool. Um, it's wood and there's plants and it's just oh, it's such a it's such a funky funky space. And also have a look at all the adventures that they do. They are like you you guys just adventure, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the spaces you'll see one of the studios. We have two canoes <laughs> hanging out on the ceiling. They're big canoes and uh they're hard to move yeah so part of part of the training for the whole team is to be able to handle heavy canoes in an overhead press and and help the rest of the team bring this canoe down so that nothing gets broken or injured so yeah i mean like train for the life you want to live and i want to live a life where i get to canoe and climb up mountains and trail run and play with my friends yeah so i train for it yeah, I had um one of my warriors, this was a while ago, say, I want to live my life on my own terms. You know, I want to build a body that will carry me through my life on my own terms. And I was like, that there is just badass. Yes, like that's that's what we want. That's the should be the goal is like, let's build a body that can carry you through your life on your own terms and allow you to do whatever you want with your life. Um, it can just take us a while to get there. A lot of the women that I work with are in their forties or fifties and they realize that, Hey, actually I, I want to feel capable and strong and confident in my body. I want to be able to, you know, for it to carry me through my life. Um, my own terms and so sometimes you know us humans were a bit slow to get to the place of like actually yeah I want to train in a way that allows me to to live this really cool grateful life so it's um I love watching you live your life like that it's very inspiring so. it did take a while like you're saying it did take a while right in my 20s I, I was spending a lot of energy at the gym I was working hard but I wasn't working specifically or that well you know and i um i spent a lot of i wasted a lot of energy and time and stuff and didn't necessarily get the goals that i wanted and so the learning process um it does take a while and then with good guidance right participating in communities like yours you you can skip a lot of the trials and tribulations that waste time and energy and you can you can get nice and specific with your training and um, you can cut it down maybe from a decade <laughs> to five years, but it's still going to take five years. So don't, don't yeah. rush it, you know? Yeah. 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 Find a leader who's like been through it and, and, and it's taken a long time and then they've, you know, they can, they can lead you through the process that might cut down the time a little, time a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But it's still going to take time. Pax, thank you so much for your, for your energy on a Friday afternoon. I know it can, you know, it can take a lot of energy to do a podcast. So I, I really appreciate you giving me some of yours today. My pleasure. Okay, that's it. We're done. Beautiful. I'm just not going to press stop because sometimes it will cut my Zoom out. And I just wanted to say okay. bye and thank you to you. So uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. 
I am really happy to be here. Yeah, these conversations always light me up. It's it's great because I don't get to have the long format with clients, even though I'm saying all this stuff on a regular basis. It's also in between reps and in between, you know, just kind of where that person's at that day as well. And um, yeah, and we need we need this message to be echoed a bunch. Just you know, it gets repeated and echoed and echoed, and more people end up trying to. I uh, should well like to to lead this life like you and I do. We want to be leaders in it and raise other leaders mm-hmm. and uh, and help like inspire and um, and live it. So yeah. yeah, thank you. Thanks for the work that you do. I'm really glad you've got your school going yeah. and uh, that you're you're teaching people these things. And obviously, you're very healthy yourself. So I think uh, things are good with you. Yes. Like, yes. Good. I'm. Um... I'm well, and I love life. I love life. I have this so much passion and joy and health and movement and, yeah, I have good relationships in all areas of my life. So, yeah, it's um, have a beautiful Friday afternoon. What are you going to do? Let's see, 4 o'clock. I have a meeting with a realtor at 6 my wife wants to start looking at potential properties. So we're kind of at that stage, maybe owning a thing, owning a chunk of city. I didn't think I would get to own, own a box of city, city box, but maybe we'll own a city box. Um, and then uh, I'm going to listen to some music this evening with a friend. We, we uh, DJ a little bit together. So we're going to share some tunes mix socialize yeah just unwind after a nice long week beautiful okay i'll let you go it was so nice to see you um and yeah i'll put it all together and i'll let you know when she's released into the world beautiful <laughs> okay bye Pax. thanks Amy. warrior woman thanks so much for listening to this episode if you haven't Please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.